right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up Podcast. Solly here, Sunday morning in the Kill House, recording early, opening up the rest of the day. The significant others love that. Uh, from I can speak for my significant other. I assume I can speak across the table as well. Mr. DJ Pie, hello, DJ. Greetings. Happy Sunday morning. I'm excited to be here. Excited to talk match. We got to talk some PGA Tour stuff, some news that came out this past week. Thankfully, that came out this past week. Not a lot else happened this past week in the world of golf. Do you know that many people struggle to find a golf club that bridges between a three-wood and a four-iron? Oh, that's me. I was, sure. just, yeah, I was yeah. trying to tee Go up for on. it. I'm also that one of these people, and I don't know. I've been doing this ad read for a couple months now, and I don't know why I haven't ordered one of these clubs. The Callaway's new Apex Utility Wood is designed to do exactly that. It offers a higher launch and steeper land angle than a hybrid but it spins more than a hybrid, but less than a five wood has a very neutral center of gravity, so it's workable. I played around in golf with Bryce Butler a couple weeks ago, and uh, he's like smoked it a couple times. I'm like, oh, what is that? A three wood? He's like, no, no, it's a utility wood. I'm like, Jesus! I've been reading the ads. For, it looks like a three wood. It is right between a wood and a hybrid. Phil has had it in the bag since late June. Loves it because of the versatility at the 250 yard range, which is pretty helpful for Phil. He's got you know his wedges and irons have relatively tight yardage gaps. He can control the trajectory and distance for those longer shots with the Apex UW, and it frees up space in his bag for the extra wedge that he loves so much. The Apex UW is designed for the tour and is available for everyone. It comes in 17, 19, and 21-degree lofts, so take a look at the Apex UW at CallawayGolf.com today. I'm going to do that. I, I, Convincing ad right. let's, let's hold. You know, that. some people, they need to hear these ad reads three or four <laughs> times. That's that's part of the business model, right? Let's make now, a pact. Now, now that I've heard it, okay, I'm in. Let's make a pact that we're going to order them together, okay? Let's hold each other responsible. Sounds good. Are you in or are you out on the match? Are you talking the, the macro yes. match? Are you talking the micro yes. match? This one we pa- saw this past week. Uh, honestly... Honestly, um, I don't really care if that I, I'm totally ambivalent. Like it, it's very fine. I guess I'm in on the idea. Uh, if that wasn't on this week, I think that also would have been fine. Uh, did I watch it? Yes. Uh, was it particularly memorable? I wouldn't say so. Was it offensive? No, I wouldn't say that either. It's just very, it's just okay for me, dog. And I, I don't know what what are you, what are you feeling? You, so you're not agreeing with me when I called it a few of the most entertaining. No, hours. I thought that was wildly inappropriate to say that. It was outrageous, outrageous, a slap in the face to to the golf season that was one of the most unbelievable golf seasons of the of my lifetime. It was unreal. Here is the lens of which I'm viewing. This I don't story. remember anything that I watched on Friday. <laughs> the golf sucked like that. That had nothing to do with it. Here's the lens of which I viewed it through. I can't watch golf on TV without having a second screen going, a monitor, a Twitter, something like that. I, do, I don't look up at the screen, all right? It's just so monotonous. Even the most exciting golf, I find myself like kind of missing what's going on because I'm not entertained by it. And the match, I like couldn't look down because I felt I was just like kind of hanging on to every word as to what Phil and Chuck were going to say next. They were great. So through yeah. that lens, I was very much like I am entertained here. Sure. This is different than what we are normally doing. It's a very semantic argument. A lot, no, like I, that. I've watched. I watched a lot of golf this past year. I, some would say too much. I've. I was felt like I was banging my head up against the wall by the end of the year, and this was something that is totally different. They. 
I found a slot with it. Uh, we can talk about all the things that were not great about it, one of which being Brooks and Bryson did almost nothing to carry the show. Sure. But listening to, like, like talking down to players from, like, a position of somebody like Phil, who has this, obviously, encyclopedic knowledge, some some accurate, some not, of the game of golf, I think we could say, uh, or philosophy, I guess, on, on the game of golf, having him be able to pipe down and talk to uh, two of his peers while having like one of the most gifted orders of all so time good. sitting right yeah. next to him. Like I'm just, I was just in on all of that interaction. Was I, it all hilarious? Was it all, you know, insightful? Not necessarily, but I was just way in on how all of that flowed. Totally. I, I fully agree with that. I, I think the, you mentioned Brooks and Bryson and I'm not, you know, I, it weirdly turned into kind of like a look how hard I'm not watching this contest, oh. which is fucking lame, but uh, like it, it was fine. Did Brooks and Bryson bring anything to the table for me? Like nothing. Absolutely not. And uh, Bryson, actually, I, I can never get enough of all his. I actually got kind of a kick out of the whole like theta wave, beta wave, alpha wave, all that stuff. I actually thought it was funny. I love hearing Bryson talk about his process. Like I, I kind of weirdly do wish we got more of it because I think it always is. I feel bad for our country, but it's tremendous content <laughs> whenever he goes off about that stuff. Uh, and so having, like you said, having Phil and him go back and forth was was great. I think the problem though is it still gets packaged in this, like that could be a four minute video, you know what I mean? And instead it's just packaged in this like, yo, I don't need to sit through all the other bullshit to, to catch those nuggets. Um, it, it's a constant battle of why does this have to be live versus also like the whole thing is that Gambling. it's live betting. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. I There's, was going to, I had that bold faced in my notes, like, okay, huge preface. I know this is impossible because of gambling. Lie. But man, it probably doesn't need to be live. And but, more more on that later. I'd but like if to, you don't want to gamble on it, record it and like yes. you can kind of zoom through the Which is what I did. And honestly, it, it was fine from that perspective. I got through it pretty quickly and it but like I said, it didn't like you know, I so a good litmus test. I had uh the in-laws were in town for Thanksgiving. We had a great time this week. We're all sitting around on Friday with nothing to do and in my head I'm like, "Okay, this seems like what the match is for like yes. they're very tangential golf fans are kind of into it kind of not into it there's no fucking way i was recommending that we watch the match they would have hated it really yes they would have absolutely hated it we had my parents and my in-laws in town like and six people were kind of glued to the tv really laugh, laughing our ass just like chuck and F it was a chuck and phil show like yeah. view it through that lens instead of the brooks versus bryson thing and it was like when when chuck dropped the line you know when they when the match was over and they started doing the long drive stuff and they were throwing out money and chuck threw out 25k and Kepka was harassing him for only throwing out 25k and Chuck on the spot just like yeah Nebraska blew that lead earlier <laughs> like, like that that's what we were there for yes. like we all laughed pretty hard at that um the match was not entertaining you know that part was not very entertaining and we can talk some about the di the Brooks Bryson dynamic as well but I think it entertain it's like some of the really uh, like the really hardcore Phil stuff entertains the hardcore golf fan I think was it all great no but like also, the Phil and Chuck show entertains the casual fan, totally. and it's a lens into like how much the golf doesn't matter in a lot of these cases. And you know, we're kind of viewing a live podcast between Phil, uh, Chuck, Bryson, and Brooks. You know, with BA kind of facilitating there a little bit. And I don't know, I found that entertaining. I do think they, to their massive credit, first of all, I, I can't imagine how hard this is. I I think we've said this after every one of these. Like, I, I can't imagine coordinating all these people and agents and sponsors and TV people. And, like, the fact that they even get it off the plane off the ground is wildly impressive. Uh, and I do think on that front, like, they've they've just gotten better and better at exactly what you're describing. Kind of cutting out the unnecessary parts and making it as 
efficient as possible of, of kind of a, you know, it, it, it's gotten into a pretty good like motion machine of how it works and how the beats work and when to take commercials and all that stuff. Like they they seem to be getting better and better and better at it, which is, uh, both understandable that it took a while because it's like building something from scratch and also impressive that they did it, you know, kind of as fast as they have. And it's a crew that's probably only working together, you know, once a year, I'm guessing. And that part of it's really impressive. I still go back to like, not a rhetorical question. Like, what's the point? <laughs> it's at day after Thanksgiving, like a hidden, it's a hidden giggle. So, so with that, through that uh, lens, more specifically though, is it a, a thing for golf fans? Is it a thing for casual fans? Is it supposed to hashtag grow the game? Is it supposed to just sell ads and take up space? What, what do you think? Like, what, what's the point? What are we doing? I think it's to entertain people as a entertaining television product. I totally agree. Okay. And which is where I was t- tweeting some stuff after just kind of like reaction stuff. I think it's like kind of counterintuitive. But the more seriously you take the golf, yes. the worse it's going to be. 100%. And I, that should be pretty clear now that they tried to make this. I, I think they kind of almost like drove the car off the road at, at the last minute. I'm like, oh, shit, we can't take this seriously. Like this, everybody thinks this is fucking stupid. The whole Bryson Brooks thing of like, yeah, I can't believe the energy from nine months ago yeah. didn't carry over to this Thanksgiving thing in the in Vegas. Like, that's wild. And I think they did loosen up and tried to make it a little bit more like, let's just put on a fun TV product, which I think is great. I would do that times a hundred, right? And and that's where I, I think there's just a bunch of, a bunch of little things you can do. Like Amanda is great. Amanda Balionis is great on CBS. She does a great job with you know post round type stuff, uh, but she's not like a comedian, right? And so putting her out there to like try to facilitate all these you know hilarious moments, like that's not her job. She's not going to be like a natural at that. And and ditto for like Shane Bacon when they had him out there, right? I think they're both good at starting kind of golf conversations, asking golf questions. But if the whole thing is like trying to just yuck it up as much as possible, like put a comedian out there, put like somebody who's going to actually like loosen people up and make people laugh and do stuff that's unpredictable. And maybe it's a golf loving comedian of, of which I'm sure there are hundreds, or maybe it's some comedian that has never watched golf that actively hates golf and is pushing back on like, why did you do that thing with the T? Why did you, why did you have to mark your ball? What's going on? Like, just ask a bunch of dumb questions. I know all that sounds like so counterintuitive, but if you're trying to entertain people like this mishmash of both like people who take golf more seriously than anything in their life mixed with like the Charles Barkley's and these kind of like outsiders who are just pointing out how ridiculous of a sport it is constantly would be super entertaining to me. I don't, I don't even know if you need that person because I think having Phil and Chuck just being able to go right into their ears. I should say, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but I should say that all depends so dramatically on who the players are. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if, if it's Bryson and Brooks and players who are like not going to be talking and maybe that's because they're taking the competition seriously or maybe it's because they're kind of just duds. Like I, I think that's when you need someone like mixing it up or kind of like stoking the flames. Yes. But if you have good players out there, if you had like, like everybody keeps pointing to this and they haven't really like recreated it in any way, but like how good was JT? Because he wasn't out there like, he was out there just like making jokes and poking fun at these guys. Yes. He wasn't be like, well, tell me how awesome you guys are. Yeah. Man, God, that shot was so awesome. Tell me about it. And it's like, God, I, I get to watch that fucking 50 <laughs> weeks a year, man. I don't need to watch that on the day after Thanksgiving. I was going to say, like, there's enough people that are tuning in that maybe are super casual fans and have played the game enough to know how ridiculously hard it is. Yes. That would probably, like, that theta wave and all that stuff is, like, super totally interesting or, like, what, what the hell are they talking about? Like, what is that? 
Um, I would say to, to Bryson's credit, in both of these that he's done, he has not tried to overdo it, which yeah. would have been a t- I mean, somebody had a talking to with Bryson to be like, <laughs> "Hey, dude, don't be yourself because this is not this is not going to work." I know everyone's saying be yourself. Don't be yourself. Well, we've also said this before in the past too that I cannot imagine how hard that would be. Like how hard that role where it's like, dude, Ugh. I just, I'm a world-class golfer and all that. I don't like talk to people while I'm playing. I'm not a world-class entertainer. I play golf. And so all this like, all right, camera's on. Like be funny. Go. Come on, be funny. It's like, of course these guys suck at that. I would suck at that too. I do suck at it. <laughs> and we edit our videos. Yeah, like exactly. live is so, again, so freaking hard. Yeah, again, another point in the column of it shouldn't be live. Yeah. It is it is hard to like be competing in the same like with and shit having those guys chirping in your ear while you're swinging yes. the club had to be really difficult. Be entertaining, stay in your process, do what you're here to do, which is show us how great of at golf you are. But like on the spot, quick, unoffensive to anyone, and uh, yeah. say something witty and yeah. say something. And like Brooks did land one good one, which I kind of th- like. He after he made birdie on two. Like, oh, that, that's good, Bryson. I was kind of like, okay, all right, like this might get a little chirpy. Like we might finally get what we were looking for, but no, they, I mean, they obviously, it, it, it was stuck between, and they've, they've run into this issue with a lot of these stuck between being serious and being a hit and giggle. And yeah. those two guys are, like, Brooks is not funny, but like personable or entertaining. Like he's none of those things. Right. So if he's not going to be trash talking heavily against, Against Bryson, then I don't know what the role actually is here. Like, what what did this settle? Is there beef over now? Is <laughs> Can it I like- ask you a, a serious question? Has anybody ever asked them point blank, like, what the beef even is? I think it Have goes- we ever discussed it? I or think- is it just kind of like, yeah, I don't really want to talk about it? Well, it goes back to Br- Brooks thinking Bryson's just a total nerd. And Brooks just doesn't. But has not, he ever said that? Or not, is this all no, just this like, is, this is what I'm saying. It's all just like weird the, subtext that like everybody's kind of like, yeah, 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 no, this is the problem. But none of these guys, I don't think either of them have like been on the record saying the, like, the tipping, yeah, they, fuck this guy because. The abs thing is what like set things in motion, right? Like it, it like, Brooks took it extremely personal when Bryson said he didn't have abs, which is so ridiculous when you say this. It goes back to something I said a couple weeks ago too, which is like the idea of building a TV product around this sounds even more outrageous, but... When you explain the point of like this Bryson Brooks feud to somebody who doesn't follow it or doesn't watch golf, like listen to how absurd you sound yes. after you. So, so go ahead, say that again. So Bryson was on a Twitch stream and said something about abs. Is that right? Well, it also goes like back in I forget when when this time period was, but Kepka had called Bryson's pace of play like embarrassing or something like that. He called him out for slow play, which like triggered some harassment probably. And that, I, I don't know. Then they confront each other on the range. Remember that? Like it happened in one of the playoff events. I think that like Brooks just caddy, went, he went up Bryson to Bryson went up to the caddy, yeah. but Brooks goes straight up to Bryson. And then, um, you Point know, being was, stupid. There's a lot of suit to my face <laughs> kind of shit going on. And then, then the abs thing happened and Brooks fires back at him saying like, you know, you're right. I'm two trophies short of a six pack. Which was sweet. Like when this was going on, yes. it was kind of flowing. Like it was nice. Yeah. It was real. Yeah. But you can't put that in a bottle and then like take it off the shelf nine months later. Exactly. And we called for it so many times when this thing was hot. Like the PJ Tour had so many opportunities <laughs> to pair these guys together and just didn't. Yeah. Just like, ah, we'll let we'll let it happen on, you know, somebody else's can can hand, can do this. And it was it was gone by the time we got there. Well, I think you said something that I totally agree with. It, it just feels very stuck in the middle, right? And it's not quite a serious competition. It's not quite 
a joke. It's kind of just a half measure. It feels very, very much like golf doing what it does best, which is uh, trying to have it every which way without ever doing anything that's actually interesting or different. Uh, and that, it, I don't know, I guess makes sense, but is is kind of disappointing. Let me ask you this. Of, so we've, there's been, what, five of these now? Yes. Don't think about this. First thing that comes to mind, what's the most memorable moment from any of these? Tom Brady hole in the shot. hundred yeah. percent. Right. And that, why was that so exciting? Because it was so fucking unpredictable because yeah. he split his pants because <laughs> we had all this context about him sucking beforehand. It was like, it was the only thing that felt like truly, uh, uncontrolled. Yes. Right. And everything else is just like, don't worry guys. Like nothing unpredictable is going to happen, but like, trust me, people are still going to love it. It's like, no, that those two things don't coexist together. Well, that's right. You need somebody that that is more like whether it's an MC, whether it's someone that's going to introduce a little bit of like uncertainty and chaos and and just interest. Phil and Chuck are that though. That's my point. Is they yeah. brought the that was the Phil and Chuck show. Uh, like you and you can't like golf is almost always gonna be boring, right? The the idea is like you you shotgun blast all of these opportunities out there in a in a weekend of golf and like that's why it's the golf is like a highlight show it's like well this happened over here this happened here if you watch every shot from every player it's not that interesting usually pj tour live shows that like you get kind of just these somewhat boring rounds of golf and that's exactly what brooks and i mean brooks played pretty well right but like who cares that that is like that's the through line too unless and this is a big takeaway i have you got to give me some stakes give me something the loser has to do that he doesn't want to do. Yeah. And I was only semi-joking about Bryson doing an ad read for CNN Plus, but <laughs> like something that they don't want to do, like a, an embarrassing social media vi- video, like something to make me watch to the end of like, oh, now he's got to, like, you know, he's got to get a pie to the face or something like, yeah. obviously be, that being a, a horrifically bad idea, but something at the end that's like, okay, I wanted to, I wanted to see if that guy had to do that would be, yeah. I think that makes the golf a little bit more interesting. No, I agree. Uh, I'm trying to think on the other side, you know, just trying to think about it, you know, from every angle. And I saw a lot of responses and stuff like, oh, you should see how, how people, you know, how seriously people took the skins game. And like, that was great. Shout out to Gary player cheating. Uh, (laughs) But allegedly, I think there was a lot of, uh, it was such a like different time then because you, you would see those guys, you know, maybe on like Saturdays, maybe. And then Sundays at the majors. And maybe you watch, you know, a little bit of golf here and there, but like, I get to watch Brooks like 50 times a year if I want to. I, I've seen more of Bryson this year than I probably am, am bargaining for. It's this idea of like, oh, we're going to see him up close and personal for 12 holes. It's like, dude, I see this all the time. I see these guys everywhere. And it, just, it has to be something different. You can't try to take, uh, you know, that that tack to it anymore. Those two just were not the right right people for this. And it was, it was pretty obvious, you know. Well, well, who are the right people? I mean, I think... Any combination of, I know this is not, you know, this is, a, after what you just said, it sounds kind of silly because we see these people all the freaking time. But as you mentioned, JT was excellent at yeah. this when he did it. Rory did the tailor-made driving relief thing, but that just was not the same production as this would be. Well, just he would be interesting. <laughs> just Spieth would be interesting yeah. in this. Like I think Spieth would be sh- shocking. I know this is going to shock some people, but I think he'd be my number one pick of who I'd want to see. Yeah. I, like, I liked Steph Curry. I mean, Steph Curry wasn't like, like, Horribly entertaining, I wouldn't say. Well, how but about it was the idea interesting. of like putting people together who like each other? Yeah, <laughs> like, doesn't that seem like it would that like would be helpful? Spark some better conversation rather than like, oh, check it out, these two guys fucking hate each other. Uh, this is gonna be fun to watch. The obvious one that and the one that has been indicated won't ever happen is Michael Jordan. 
Like that is what people would line up to watch that. Yeah. And I don't think he would necessarily be that funny. He would take it super seriously, <laughs> if you, as you might imagine. But that would be, you know, what you would want to get out of this. But I'm thinking back on watching a lot of uh, playing through over the past year, and I, I will triple down and say, I'm like, yes, that was one of the more entertaining sets of golf I watched all year. Of course, it, like the drama doesn't compete with like the U.S. Opens and the majors and and a lot of the crazy shit that happened over the winter and all that stuff, but like. As far as like product TV production of golf, absolutely some of the more entertaining golf I watched this year. I don't agree, but I see where you're coming from. I'll fight to the death for your right to say to okay. say your opinion. Well, thank but you. The uh, I agree from a production standpoint. I, I think they're taking advantage of of the the benefits of doing something like this. That's yes. that's what I'm getting at. That's I think what I'm getting. Now at. that five we're five times in, like yeah, it's great. The drone, the racing drones are really cool. Seeing the golf holes was very cool. Phil, I don't even know if we've like really said enough about Phil yet. I thought he was fantastic. Uh, I thought one of the best comments I saw was from uh, Garrett Morrison from the fried egg who said part of why, you know, Phil's so good in the booth is because he trusts that the audience is actually interested in hearing about golf, Yeah, uh, which it doesn't seem like anybody else in golf is. They're all like humiliated that like, Oh my God, this, I know this is so embarrassing that we're going to have to make you watch golf, but like, please just give it a try. Like my boss just like really wants you to give it a try. I know it fucking sucks, but like, <laughs> just give it a shot. Like, I think you'll like it. Whereas Phil's just like, no, I love golf. Here's what's so interesting about it. Here's what's coming up on this hole. And I think another beat there is, uh, like just a more interesting golf course would be yeah a help i think if you've only got two people on the course which i know there's a billion reasons why they went to vegas and why they went to the win and i'm sure there were a lot of people especially casual fans who watched it and were like that place looked great it was green and i love the waterfalls which is fine and that's you know I, easy to roll your eyes as like this is a huge like golf dork take but interesting courses help a lot and you could hear phil just like phil does such a good job especially early, I think it was number two, the long par four, when he basically predicted like exactly what's going to yeah. happen, uh, like to a concerning, yes. to a concerning degree. It's like, is this, is this Phil? <laughs> yes. But he did such a good job of explaining like this hole fits Brooks because of this, this hole is going to be tougher for Bryson because of this. And that gets exponentially better when the golf course is more interesting, when it's not just like, all right, Phil, tell us about the fifth. And it's like, well, it's a, you know, another 460 yard yeah. par four. They're going to, hopefully they hit the fairway. Back to you. It would just get so much better with, with other golf courses, which reminds me, have you ever gone back and looked at, I mean, I think there's some pretty natural parallels to all the shells, wonderful world of golf that were kind of tiptoeing around here. Have you ever gone back and looked at like just the list of venues oh that God. they went to? Can I read some off? Sure. Jockey club. In Argentina. Uh, Alistair Ro McKenzie. Royal Melbourne, Pine Valley, Old Course, Banff Springs, Port Marnock, Pebble Beach, Sunningdale, Turnberry, the Country Club, Peachtree, Mid-Ocean, Royal County Down, Valley Bunyan, Pinehurst Number Two, Wingfoot, the World Golf Village for the love of golf, <laughs> go. Corey Cliffs was the last one. I mean, it's just like that's where you get into like, man, does this really have to be live? Because it it seems like the idea of just taking two golfers to unbelievable spots would would get a lot of golfers to tune in on like a Wednesday night. It might not be the day after Thanksgiving, like get as many you know casual sports fans to watch as possible. But man, I don't know how we haven't like re-upped that i was just going to say on, on the phil note it's it, i tweeted this but it is amazing to think like yes is he on one extreme end of the spectrum in terms of entertainment and ability to communicate that but like it is possible to talk about golf the way that phil talks about <laughs> golf yeah point one point two nick faldo is the color commentator for cbs sports like that's their answer to that Tough. so if we're talking <laughs> 
that viewing it through that lens is very much of like, God, we are just so deprived on a week to week basis. I'd also say like the commercials are a lot less offensive when the play stops. And I know that's not a realistic option for PGA right. tour golf, but like everyone was complaining about the com commercial load. I was for once totally fine with it just cause it was like, all right, I got a break. Now I can check my phone. Cause I've been, it draw it drew me in. I didn't feel like I needed to be on the phone while they're, you know, I'm like, who's going to say something dumb next. And then, and they take a break. It's like, all right, that that's a lot like how football is and a lot, how basketball is like your eyes are on yeah. the screen. They take a break and you take a break. Whereas golf just feels like one constant break that occasionally something happens just a moment ago. But yeah. Um, well, I think that goes back also to like, you know, when I ask him, what's the point? It's like, I mean, it's just to sell ads. Yeah. <laughs> Like the whole thing is a fake made up thing on the day after Thanksgiving. Like, but that's the what the PGA is tour is too. True. And that's not entertaining. Yes. Like they don't even try to make the television entertaining. So I, 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 I there's just something more to as a golf nerd. The, obviously there's a million reasons why this can't happen. Blah, blah, blah. Players being mic'd up, hearing Brooks and Chase yeah. talk about how the putts were breaking and hearing Chase like, Kind of put his foot down every now and then. Yeah. Like, no, it's not. It's not going to do that. Like, it's the first six feet, it's going to do this, and then it, and like, boom, then nail the reads on putts. Just gives it draws you in. It yes. gives you something exactly to look for. His putt on two. Them talking about it going right, and Brooks talked about all the things he was worried about. And now I'm like, man, I'm really interested to see this. Like, golf commentators being like, yeah, it might be right edge, might be just a little outside. Like, that doesn't do anything for me because the camera angles don't give us any of that. And that that difference was enormous to yes. me. You know, hearing them talk about lies, how stuff is going to jump, little things like that, or just even what the ball did, that it just is, it's not riveting. We say this after every one of these, not every one of those conversations is going to be super interesting, but it just draws you in. Yeah. It, it keeps you engaged, and uh, that I think is just a, a huge, huge benefit. Bryson explaining aim point it was great. pretty freaking awesome. Super interesting. Like, yeah. that's great. So, yeah, I don't know. My takeaway, Brooks and Bryson stunk. The golf was not that interesting and hasn't been really interesting in any of them. The audio is kind of all over the place and a bit of a mess. And the golf course stunk, and I still enjoyed it. So yeah, And I came into it very much like, ah, I'm good. I don't need to see this. Like I'm, I kind of have to watch this. But Chuck and Phil were, were that good. And I, to be clear, if it's anybody other than those two, I'd be out on this thing. And that's where I think I, they're that good. No, that's where I'm, I'm worried on the whole like introducing a – comedian or introducing someone else is because they're going to go, you know, yeah, yeah, no I didn't, offense to anybody. But I like your idea, but <laughs> they're going to go to like, uh, you know, Carlton or Kelly James <laughs> or one of these people that we've seen at fucking 55 golf tournaments over the last three years. So I felt like they went from a million variables. They had two booths for the first one of these yeah. for some weird reason and just like slowly trimmed it down to keep it simple. Yeah. They had less, they had call-ins to the one last year with, you know, it was kind of, there were some funny moments with Shaq and, and Kenny and, and things like that. But this was simple, and it, I don't know. If you have Phil in there, you just don't need many other commentators. Yeah. So, a couple questions we got. PGH Tax says, what is the next iteration of the match? Why must it include LPGA stars? I, I mean, yeah, that would be phenomenal. I think there's a lot of LPGA players who are probably, like, more personable and a lot funnier than a lot of the guys. I would still and say it's, they like would, they freaking would hard. It's yeah. freaking hard to entertain. Totally. Like, that's not the role you would want to be I also in. think, I don't know, I'm not trying to oversimplify this, but you've been to and been in LPGA Pro-Ams. Like, they are used to, I don't want to say entertaining, but, like, they're so much better at the, like, all right, two and a half, two hours, two and a half hours with the, the CEO of the title sponsor. Like, all right, time to turn it on. Like, they're really, really, really good at that in a way that I have not seen from any of the guys other than 
maybe Phil. To that, I would also say there's like nothing more polar opposite of the spectrum in terms of entertaining these four guys yeah. and entertaining the world with microphones and cameras. Because a, a lot of the really entertaining stuff for that four hour, like the, the, for those four guys, you can't say on air, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> That's the stuff they're actually really good at. I think someone like, I mean, Daniel Kang would be awesome. I think she would. I, I think agree. there's a, I think there's a pretty sizable handful of LPJ players who would be awesome at this. I think it would. It I, would I think if we're add. being realistic, like I don't know that they're going to be the the headline draw, right? I mean, I think you still need to have a big name from the men's side. I think that's probably just yeah. the way that it is and the way that it would is going to get sold and all of those things. But I think if you're not using like I, Brooks and Bryson were so other than the names, like their personality and their golf everything about it was just so interchangeable that like yeah why not experiment with something different and why not try to you know have some of the people from the lpga in there it worked when annika and was it kari webb that did the one with duvall and uh and tiger skins game oh yeah yeah i think fred funk was in one of those too but yeah why was he in one of those um he put the skirt on remember just the whole thing yeah uh that was yeah that was the source of tiger's greatest (laughs) joke ever it it truly was yeah uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for those that don't know, Funk got down to read a putt, and Tiger was on the other end and said, uh, you know, what do you think, Tiger? Tiger goes, ah, I think it's a ball, maybe two balls out. <laughs> Great joke. It, it worked at the time. Great joke. At the Rad 24, should the tour allow rangefinders and shorts? Good discussion during the broadcast. Lefty in agreement on both. Phil did use the platform a little bit to get a couple points in. <laughs> a lot of 48-inch driver USG, talk. Didn't even get off the first tee before he was <laughs> mad about the 48-inch driver. Which is interesting, though. Like, that's the exact kind of stuff that's also not going to happen on a yep. Sunday afternoon because it's just like, oh, well, you know, of course there's the rule change. Yeah. Over I'm, to seven. I'm good with players not wearing shorts during tour events. I think that... I, yeah. I, I, pants, I'm fine with practice. Sure. I was very pro, like, let them wear whatever during practice rounds. During tour events... I think you wear pants. It's, it's a pretty classic s- look. Yeah, like I don't want to. No, but. I'm I'm kind of with you. It it always it does throw me off a little bit. I if they made the rule change, I guess I wouldn't really care. But yeah. if I would if I had a vote, I guess I would vote yeah. team pants. I also don't have to be out there. So range finders, um, mixed <laughs> reviews for them. I didn't hear a lot of players steadfast saying we should have them, and Phil was pretty adamant we should. Um, the only thing I would say is Phil, like Phil's argument, where it's, I mean, it makes complete sense it speeds up pace of play and you know how hard it is to get a number from the other fairway all that stuff it's like well yeah dude don't hit in the fucking other fairway then (laughs) like that shouldn't you shouldn't be like catered to for do you know how hard it is for me to get a number when i get so far offline it's like yeah that's the point of why pace of play should be enforced first of all like you shouldn't get all the time to go find a number you should have to just figure it out because you hit it two miles offline but if you're not going to enforce the pace of play and you're going to you know these guys are going to take three four five six minutes to like go get a number anyways and they're gonna probably end up getting the right number then yeah i guess it does just end up saving time but from a like like it should be an advantage to to hit it in the fairway where you can use your yardage book i think it also just doesn't like that that just doesn't this is not where pace is getting slowed down in professional golf it happens on the greens it happens in threesomes and on the greens that's the only thing that really holds people up You're, you're almost never you're getting to your ball a lot and waiting for greens to clear anyways. So I don't, I don't really think it addresses that much. And, and John Wood made a great point of like now, you know, caddies are going to use this to check the numbers that, and work they're already doing, which is not helping right. speed up play. But last one for the match, Liam Spur 82. What does it take to get Phil in the commentary box each week? A ton of money. Ton of money and like a ton of money. Like if you're Phil, like why would, why else would you do it? Like it, it's, it, 
I'm sure he gets a thrill out of it, but why wouldn't you, if I'm totally guessing here, but if you were Phil, why wouldn't you go to CBS and say like, yeah, cool. I'll do it uh, for six weeks a year. If they're going to say like, no, 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 we need you for 18. It's like, no, no, literally no. (laughs) Uh, So I I just think it's going to be like a ton of cash. I think the PGA ruined a lot of this. He's now eligible for majors for five more years. Um, He said this on Gary Williams' podcast as well, winning the PGA kind of changed his timeline probably on the commentary game, which, listen, was that one of the the greatest sporting events we've ever witnessed? Yes, but it might have given us like five more years of Faldo. Sure. Also, so um, yeah, I, th- I think that honestly did change things. When the P- like he won a freaking major this past year, he's yeah. not necessarily ready to just go straight to the commentary box. But do you think his thing would get old? I don't. I don't either. I really don't. I, he's just got a, a criticism I've heard, but I I agree with you. I I, I think he is. It's not repetitive. Listen, it, it's fodder. Is, is all of it right? Do I agree with all of it? No. Is some of it just like using a soapbox? Is it kind of ridiculous? You know, is he showing off? Is he, you know, all, all of that. But I'm way, like, what are we doing here if we're not in yeah. it for that? Like, it needs to be more entertaining. And that guy entertains. Yeah. So, um, he gives you a lot to react to. You don't have to, he doesn't, he doesn't, you know what I like about him? He doesn't try that hard to make people like him. Yeah. In this regard. Like, he knows a lot of this stuff is polarizing and it comes off as coming off as super cocky is not the greatest vibe, but like, it is also part of being an entertainer. And right. That guy's an entertainer. So, uh, we've been hearing a lot uh, from you guys about Roback. We had to get them in our store. We did that. We only issue we've run into, we can't keep them in our store. These, their hoodies are flying off our shelves. First of all, their performance polos fit so much better than your typical boxy polos. Their four-way stretch is next level. The material is super soft while staying wrinkle-free. The founders went through over 20 iterations of the collar alone to ensure it keeps its shape but doesn't get in the way of your golf swing. Second, the Roback Performance Q-Zips. Game changer when it comes to fall golf. They're versatile. You can wear them, you know, out in social you know, occasions. You can wear them on the golf course. You can wear them around the house. Lastly, their performance hoodies, as I mentioned, stretchiest, softest hoodies in golf. They may be the softest, most comfortable performance hoodies in the game. And Roback's hoodies are popping up on the golf course, but also all over the NFL. They've been gaining traction big time, and with it being the holiday season, it's time to hop on board. Use code NLU on Roback.com for a generous 20% off your first order. That's Roback.com, R-H-O-B-A-C-K.com. 20% off polos, Q-zips, hoodies, and tees with the code NLU. They just dropped new hoodies and Q-zips that are the perfect holiday gift. So check them out now. Get your holiday shopping done with Roback. European Tour. Um, the DP World. The Dude Perfect the, World Sorry, Tour. The, dude, the Dude Perfect World Tour. Uh, they did not go, let's get it! Because <laughs> they packed it in after 36 holes due to the Om- Omicron. Is that how you say it? Uh, Variant. Sure. And weather that also was introduced. And players were bailing on the field. Uh, 13 European players pulled out Thursday after Thursday's round at Rand Park Golf Club. Uh, Ga- as the golfers scrambled to get home to avoid quarantine, uh, the weather had the final say on Saturday. Inclement weather reduced the co-sanctioned event to 36 holes. Thriston Lawrence won, uh, and three spots to the open went out in this 36-hole event. Yeah, that was the only big uh, note that I had. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, another variance, and I, I don't really have anything to weigh in on that. Like, that just doing that sucks that for truly everybody involved. Uh yeah, weird, weird to give away spots in the open for a 36-hole tournament was kind of my only big takeaway. I guess it kind of is what it is, but I feel like in July when we're sneaking up on uh, the Open Championship at 
the old course, it's going to be a little like, whoa, how'd that guy get in the field? Yeah. But. Uh, the DP World Tour is pulled out of South Africa and will not co-sanction next week's South African Open at the Gary Player Country Club in Sun City. I'm sure he's got some takes on that. Uh, meanwhile, the Alfred Dunhill Championship at Leopard Creek was also effectively canceled due to the COVID, the new COVID-19 variant. So Tough start to their season. Fun, fun vibe. Really fun vibe. <laughs> Enjoying that. So, Last agenda item I have, and we have cleared the remainder uh, of the podcast to discuss this was a memo that went out from the PGA tour uh, this past week to PGA tour players highlighting a lot of things. We're going to read a lot of it. DJ, I'm going to call on you to just stop me whenever I'm going too long reading from the memo and, and you want to pause and discuss some of the things, but sure. highlights from the memo FedEx cup bonus pool is up to $75 million from $60 million. Explain what that is. The FedEx cup bonus pool is all of the bonuses paid out at the end of the year through the FedEx cup, sure. which includes the top 30 to make the tour championship, but as well, the amounts trickle down all the way down to the, anyone that finishes in the top 150. Outside of the top 30, those that money is deferred and goes to your pension. Is that the same thing? Or just, I don't know. It's deferred compensation. Yeah, I think that's right. Cash is paid. Um, the majority of the, the winnings are paid in cash to people in the top 30. Comcast Business Tour, top 10, up to $20 million from $10 million. A lot of people legitimately don't know what that is. Uh, that is literally... Literally just the regular season FedEx Cup points list. Yes. But a bonus is paid out to those that finish in the top 10, which was $10 million this past year. Now it's 20 split up amongst those top 10, I think. Four, due, due to popular demand. $2 million went to the winner this past year. I think $4 million now uh, goes. Basically, if you win the regular season, you win $4 million. I, I assume that, that to be a across-the-board increase. Which, honestly, of all these increases... That's the one that sounds the stupidest because you got to call it the Comcast business top 10, whatever, but probably the one that makes the most sense. It makes a ton of sense. Like, you know, values who who has the best season. Yeah. Win, the, win a bunch of money, you win more money. That's yes. basically what it is. The player impact program amount, highly publicized, which was $40 million this past year, will go up to $50 million sp split amongst the most uh, impactful 10 players. Official prize money up to $427 million from $367 million. Average purses of $9.1 million, which is up from $8 million. Player-hosted invitationals, this is Riviera, Bay Hill, and Memorial, up to $12 million from $9.3 million. Worth keeping an eye on here how much these increases are going to impact the top players. Uh, WGCs up to $12 million from $10.5 FedEx Cup playoff events up to 15 million from 9.5 million. That's a lot. That is a huge increase. Granted, they dropped an event, right? Or did that already happen this year? That there's three. There's three events. Okay. They dropped two WGCs, right? Which has happened. Um, the Players Championship up to 20 million dollars. 20 from 15 million dollars. That's so much. A lot of money. That's so much for the players' championship. A lot of money going around. This was expected, you know, highly publicized as well. New media deal uh, for the PGA Tour starting in 2022, um, which increased average earnings or, or, you know, increased fees for the PGA Tour by an average of $300 million over nine years, I believe the deal to be. Um, the increase is not $300 million next year. It is kind of, uh, as we mentioned there, it's an average over the next nine or so years. So that's all to say, expect this train to keep going. Yeah, that was my biggest, I don't know if you want to start kind of at the, the biggest headline or biggest takeaway, but that was it for me, for sure. Was one, I think it's very easy, and I think there is some truth, which we can get into this, but 
I think it's very, very easy for the snap reaction to be like, oh, man, PGL, SGL, they're here they come. They're, they're just like they're funneling more money at these players. Or if you just take two seconds and think about it for a minute, it's like, yo, the, the TV deal is going up $300 million on average, $300 million a year. Like that's a brand new $300 million. It's not like the, the cost went up all that much, right? It's like, of course, the purses are going to get astronomically bigger. Like where else was that money going to, you know, predominantly go? I think it's interesting how they distributed it, right? It's very top-heavy towards the the biggest events. And I think one thing that was left out of the highlights there was the fact that 30-some million of that money is being taken out of PJ Tour reserves as well, like essentially taken out of the savings account. And so I, I think that is an interesting element of this in that, you know, like you said, the the TV contract doesn't hit all at once. It's not like they they get one big check at the beginning of the thing. It starts with a small increase. It gets a little bigger in year two, a little bigger in year three, a little bigger in year four. So even with that increase, they still chose to take money out and bolster these a little bit more, which maybe that's the strongest case you can make for kind of some of these competing tours. But other than that, it's like, man, if it got this big in year one, I'm guessing it's going to get bigger in year two. Oh I'm God. guessing the purses are going to go up in year three. I'm, and when you read between the lines or just read explicitly a lot of the stuff that Jay Monahan's saying both in his memo and kind of in press conferences over the last couple of years, yeah, dude, it's going to keep getting bigger and bigger. I think he has said in the past he wants the players to be up to at least $25 million. I think he's – I don't know if you want to get into the memo and we can break it down part by part, but th- well, there's a lot more to it. There is a lot more to it, and if to your point. So the increases are about $105 million for next year, which sounds enormous. But, again, if we're talking about just in the media-related <laughs> space, it being an average of three hundred. So if, if we have a, an increase of 100 and 30% of that or so is the pull from the reserves – yeah. Imagine the other end of this deal. Right. So are there years where salaries are going to be 400 million more, 450 more? And granted, it's not not all that money gets funneled directly to it. It's the tour's accounting is a bit complicated all that, but this is all to say like we're on the underside of this increases as yes. of right now. And if uh, VC606 had a good tweet uh this past week showing like a graph of overall payouts on the PGA Tour. And if you take out 2020, things are, it's not as sharp of an increase as you might imagine. Like there, there have been increases like this over the, over the past several years. I assume their last media deal was kind of incrementally increasing in a, in a somewhat similar way. I haven't seen the graph you're talking about, but I'm guessing that is in relation to purses. Correct. Not all the I bonuses. So as well. The bonuses are where the, the real money is. <laughs> like Correct. I think that's, that's where that graph would get a little, uh, outrageous correct um just clarifying that that is just person as prize fund money on the pga tour so which is almost i'm not going to say getting irrelevant by any stretch but it's it's uh getting drastically drastically outweighed for the top guys anyways by the the pip the player sponsorship stuff all all the other invisible money is is just getting outrageously laughably big so all that to say everything we just talked about makes a ton of sense. Makes a ton of sense. <laughs> Money going up, all these things, like, you know, ignoring PGL, ignoring external leagues, all that stuff. Like, this was going to happen. Maybe they ramped up things just a little bit. Pulling from the reserves a little bit may have been, I'm, that's not an emergency lever, but it's here to say, like, right now we we don't have the most goodwill with our with our players that, that we could possibly have right now. And I think you that comes through in a loud way in the memo, too. And some of the, That's the wording. Yeah. That is what I'm getting at. Let's just start right with the beginning of the letter, which says, let me start by restating what I told our policy board in Houston. The PGA Tour, your tour, <laughs> your boy, is stronger than at any time in our history, and the game of golf has unprecedented momentum. 
We are positioned. Just not from a rating standpoint no, no, or no, an interest that. standpoint. None of that. And <laughs> ignoring Tiger Woods with that momentum as well. We are positioned to grow faster in the next 10 years than we have at any point in our existence. This doesn't say this, but also let's just ignore Tiger Woods. And we remain laser focused on strengthening our core product and investing in our members. There's going to be a lot of talk about the product. We don't know what product they're referring to. Are they talking about players' bank accounts or are they talking about what we watch on Sunday afternoons? Maybe when, a little bit of both. Well, no, knows? when they're talking to the players, they're talking about that paper. <laughs> they ain't talking about us. They don't. There's nothing in here. I think at the like the very last line of the letter mentions the fans, and that is the only time that that actually happens. But again, this letter to the players, financial rewards and other benefits. Not I'm not reading the whole memo. I'm just kind of reading a lot of key parts. Financial rewards and other benefits, not just for the top players, but for the entire membership, are growing at an extraordinary pace. Yet there seems to be misunderstanding around not just the level of comprehensive earnings for players, but our financial model in general. Pause. I think this is going to be the most explicit, uh, you know. Subtweet of Phil. Yeah, <laughs> both of Phil and also the, the most uh, subtle kind of acknowledgement of what's going on. You know, external forces. Obviously, never nowhere in this memo does it say PGL or Saudi Golf League or Live Under Par Golf or any of that stuff. Uh, that's the strongest I think we're going to get. And it's also somewhat pointed, a subtweet, if you will, of what, uh, again, Phil said on Gary Williams' podcast about, like, the tour only pays the players 26% of its revenue. Right. Which, it, in in the tour's defense, is just not accurate. <laughs> it, it, I think Phil takes the total prize fund money. I think it's accurate. It's just not the numbers. It's horrific, <laughs> horrifically <laughs> misleading. He, I don't think he showed his work. Yeah. <laughs> it, he. I think he's taking... Total prize fund money, which was like three hundred sixty-eight million or something the last full season, and divides it by their total co- consolidated revenue of like one point five billion. So he he was going around saying twenty-six percent of the money goes to tour players, blah blah blah. That ignores a lot of other stuff, and it it all distills down. But there is a line that they boxed and bolded, which we will get to, uh, that shows that that twenty-six percent is not right. It is important, this is back to the, the letter, it is important that you fully understand and have transparency into our business as this is your tour. Your boy. Of course, tour in all capitals for all this. Our player directors and PAC members are a strong and diverse group of leaders of our membership. Our independent directors are savvy business people with valuable insight and experiences. And tour employees are not only subject matter experts in their respective fields, but also the most dedicated and passionate team in all of sports. A lot of that was I was vibing with until the very last line, which... <laughs> Can I ask you a question? Sure. Does your phone and computer and all your, let's just say, your your Apple products, do they uh, auto-capitalize PGA Tour? Sometimes they will do it. My, Sometimes they do it for me, too. I do not do that. No. I haven't done that in... I, listen, was there a time when I did that in my text <laughs> messages? Yes, I'm sure that there was. Uh, but now it, it totally auto auto-corrects, and I, I want to make sure... I mean, we need to investigate this. Okay. Make sure that the PJ Tour is not pulling the strings with Apple <laughs> behind the behind the scenes. If that, it, Write in. If your phone auto-corrects <laughs> auto PJ Tour, please join the conversation. Back to the letter. And all of them work for you, but for that work to be optimized and efficient, your input and direction needs to come from an understanding of what we're doing and why. Basically, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself <laughs> is kind of what the vibe I'm getting here. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. Come find out. <laughs> In 2022, we are forecasting PGA Tour consolidated revenue at $1.522 billion. Which guessing is all tours. 
for clarification, the term oh, consolidated <laughs> encompasses all of our business operations across all of our tours and the TPC network. Why mail models? Dynamite drop in money. <laughs> that broadcasting school has really paid off. Uh, the majority, approximately 85% of consolidated revenue is tournament-related, primarily sponsor-driven, and domestic and international media revenue. The remaining 15% of our revenues are from the TPC network, corporate and retail licensing, and investments. In 2022, we are forecasting $716 million in operating expenses required to generate the $1.522 billion in revenue. These are primarily tournament-related expenses, 30%, employee expenses supporting revenue and business operations, 25%, and TPC network expenses, 19%. Additional costs are associated with delivering our domestic and international media operations, interest, depreciation, amortization, taxes, and charity payments. Any they, reaction to that? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I think it's all... I mean, I think it. you can say... A, a lot of this letter is like, we need to really help you understand what's going on here, and it's just kind of like debits and credits. It is. <laughs> like, but I think it is pretty straightforward. But You can look at employee expenses of 25%, like saying, like, do we need that many people generating all this revenue is a question that I feel like a lot of tour players are asking. Sure. A, a lot, I, mean, I don't know if it's a lot. A few tour players are yeah. asking. And you could read that and say TBC network expenses are 19% of all the expenses. What the hell is it? But there's also revenue that comes in related to TPC, the TPC network. It also is providing practice facilities for Pract a lot of the players. And host venues for tournaments. And yeah, yeah I think, I'm, I'm, yeah, I think the TPC network is probably pretty net, net positive. Yeah. For the tour. There's not a lot to Waterfall see. licensing fees, yeah. things, like, <laughs> things of that nature. Not a lot to see in that. So back to the letter. So the tour is forecasting 1.522 billion in revenue and subtracting 716 million expenses, which leaves 806 million available for allocations to players. That's the big number. 806 instead of the 368 that's total prize fund money, right? Right. Which is a that's a big ass difference. <laughs> yes. Huge difference. Yes. In addition, the 2022 forecast includes a withdrawal of 32 million from our reserves to further fund player earnings, which will bring us to 838 million in total player allocations. Of that, 838 million, 685 million comes in the form of comprehensive earnings, which is official prize money, except the majors, those persons are paid, not paid by the tour and are not recognized as revenue nor as an allocation on their, on their books. All bonus programs, which include FedEx Cup, Comcast Business Tour Top 10, Play 15 bonus. Play 15 bonus is a $50,000 bonus to anyone who plays 15 events. Which seems like pennies in yeah. all of this conversation. Uh, and the player impact program. And funding for the cuts plan, unofficial prize money, and player benefit programs. Health insurance, disability insurance, and daycare. Did you read the thing about, I think Golf Week had it, about the tour's daycare program? I have not read it. I, I only saw the pull quote. I got it's it's I got the tab open. I need to read the whole story. But I only saw the one thing about the the daycare uh like the the lady who was overseeing the daycare was working with some some kids about like all right, let's make dinner and they were all looking for a one of the kids was looking for a phone to call room service. Uh <laughs> which was just again, that's one one quote wildly out of context, but it's it made me laugh pretty hard. <laughs> that's not in the letter, just to, just to clarify. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Back to quoting. So this next part, there's an additional 153 million of player allocations in the 2022 consolidated forecast generated from official marketing partners and corporate marketing partners that is paid directly to players as endorsements. Approximately 60% of this revenue is generated from apparel and equipment companies and the remaining 40% is generated from our other official marketing partners and corporate marketing partners. We have established a goal for the player partnerships team to double the amount generated 
by the latter category and other new initiatives over the next two years. So this part's kind of confusing to me. It is. Let's finish the rest of the letter and then we'll... Okay. Here is the key number you need to know. This is, this is from the letter. This is like bolded out in a box in the letter. Here is the key number you need to know. 55%. 55% of the tour's revenues will be directed back to players in 2022. And that's the $838 million divided by the $1.522 billion. So, so uh, do you want to start with the, you know, the official marketing partners, corporate marketing partners? Let's do that. Thing? So, Can you help explain that to me? Because I'm still kind of confused on it. So I think the way I understand this is what the tour is doing here is basically piggybacking on a lot of the deals that it's doing with a lot of their official marketing partners, which is company. I don't know that all of these are specifically official marketing partners, but the idea is like the Aeons of the world and RBCs and Grant Thornton's and Optums and companies like that that you see on uh, the broadcast all the time, even though they're not necessarily like a title sponsor. I think what they're doing is they're going to a lot of those companies and saying, hey, Optum, if you want to be an official marketing partner, here's what it's going to cost. And broken out in that cost is now a line item like you need to spend X amount of money sponsoring PJ Tour players. And I'm using Optum as an example because I'm assuming that that's like the Rory McIlroy Optum deal is yeah. a part of this. And so I don't know how necessarily that works out with equipment companies. If the equipment companies are doing their own deals with players already anyways, I mean, Callaway pays to sponsor John Rahm. I don't, I don't know how necessarily the tour is involved in that unless it's part of Callaway's spend with the PJ tour to get on telecasts or on digital stuff. Maybe they break out part of that further towards players. I don't totally know how that part works, but with the official marketing partners, I think that's the understanding. And I think that's why you see, you know, Ricky Fowler decked out in Grant Thornton stuff. I think that's why you see all the RBC guys. I think that's why you see, you know, a lot of, a lot of these instances where, where these same companies who sponsor the tour are also sponsoring players. Uh, and that basically just that amount of money is so much bigger than I thought it was way bigger. $153 million expecting to double over the next couple of years is astronomical. I mean, when you get to that, we're talking around $300 million. Isn't that roughly the size of the total year's purse a couple of years ago? And this is all, this is what kind of what I'm getting at. And like, that's, I'm, I'm not saying it's like illegal, but like, that's all the like dark money that like nobody thinks about. So, and I think it's wildly worth pointing out when we're having all these PGL, SGL conversations, right? Yeah, no, it, but it also to me, just not knowing enough about it feels a little bit like kind of taking a little bit of credit for players' own marketability. Yeah, I was thinking about that. The only thing I would say there is, uh, I mean, these players are, for the most part, very smart, and as well as they're, there are their teams like if they were getting a better deal elsewhere it seems like they would have no problem like saying no to the tour stuff right i mean it's i don't think it's hurting anything certainly right. but it's uh it does it just yeah it does feel it's just it's just weird it's a it's a weird situation and a, it, it kind of feels like we keep coming back to the same realization which is whether it's because of the tours tax structure or whatever, they, they just kind of are existing as this entity that needs to constantly figure out creative ways to funnel giant amounts of money to players without without being able to just like physically write them a check, right? And it just, it just I think I made the illusion last time, it just feels like an erector set where you just like keep 
bolting on more and more and more and more stuff. And you kind of half said this joke when we were getting started talking about this, but like all this is great, man. This all makes so much sense. And it's such a, an attractive idea for like a player. If I'm a player, if I'm number 35 in the world of 35 in the FedEx cup, whatever, and I'm reading all of this, I'm like, wow, cool. That sounds great. As a fan, I'm like, yo, pause. Like, I don't give a shit about any right. of this stuff, man. Like, this is not addressing any of the things that we're talking about. And I don't know what, like, none of this makes me want to watch. In fact, it, like, actively makes me want to not watch most of the time because most of it has to be paid for with ads and all kinds of uncreative, you know, bolt-ons to the broadcast. Just a lot a lot going on here, one being, and I, I agree with the tour's strategy here in terms of, like, we need to get this message out to our players, yeah. right? And it's it's surprising that a lot of this stuff in this letter they feel like needs to be communicated. Surprising this isn't part of an annual process of some kind to be like, hey, here is exactly what's coming in, exactly what's going out. Here's where all the money, the rest of the money's going. I, w- I would have thought this information would have been maybe it is readily available, and maybe they're just like kind of tired of like, hey, you guys are like saying some things in public that are just not accurate. Like, do you actually understand what's going on here? Right. Um, I think it's. Uh, well, I think it, a lot of it too is probably. You know, if they were to just spell this all out, I mean, this stuff is going to get leaked to, you know, idiots like us. And I think it is helpful to, you know, at least have a written understanding of kind of how it breaks down. I mean, I, I think that's certainly not a bad thing for, for anybody. No, and I think it it just, um, it, it can be a little slippery slope here, though. Not so much. I, player, players know how much they're getting paid, right? But it also is like very hard line information that's also like, oh, that the salary's like, okay, well, we're going to pay triple that. So yeah. what's your answer to that? Is very much like, oh, fuck. Like, all right, that's, it's a lot of money. But then also we're talking about a, a potential competitor here that this is very clearly a, a the, the reasoning for publishing this or why the reasoning for this getting to players is like there are outside threats. It's very clear. Yeah. They don't mention the outside threats in it, but it, it's inherently obvious uh, within within the letter. So is that money really, God, it's hard to, it's hard to imagine when you see how much money is, is spelled out here. It's hard to imagine like more money potentially being out there, but. But that's the thing is when you look at, I, I know these are just kind of like models in a slide deck right now, but like all this is great. Everything that the tour spelled out is, is unbelievable. What an extraordinary amount of money until you like look at the PGL model and it's like, yo, no, if you're a top 48 guy, like. No, no, it's still astronomically more money over here. Yeah. And I'm sure on the Saudi side, I know they haven't like made any commitments or whatever, but it, it's like by all accounts, like, no, that's an even bigger amount of money over there. And so I'm with you in that. I don't think the biggest bullet in their chamber is just like, if it's a money race, like they're going to lose even as yeah. outrageous of an amount of money as this is. If it all comes down to money, like they're going to lose. I, I think the strongest case is almost is more like stability and yeah i guess history i i know that I, sounds lame to say but i think it's a I, thing i think I, they know they would lose the money but also to be like hey like dude there's still like a shitload of money here like yes. it's not a shortfall of money it, it, and also use your imagination on what's going to happen in the next eight nine years yes it's going to continue to trend up and like a lot of stuff in there is a little bit kind of funny of like yeah we have savvy business people with valuable insight and experiences but like at the same time, like for all the beefs we have with the PGA Tour, it's hard to say like that they're not incredible, like incredible at getting money from corporate yeah. sponsors and funneling it to players. Think about <laughs> without think, having people watch the product. Think about the fact that in two recessions, the tour has not only not lost one event, they just keep adding events. It's incredible. And it's just like 
it's it's a mind-blowing money-making machine for the players yeah. yes yeah and look i don't think any of this is going to address a lot of the beefs we have as fans but uh i don't know very interesting fodder for conversation if you will like the rsm i think it was the rsm right that was against the charles schwab cup championship yeah the rsm got outdrawn the ratings were worse for the pga tour event than they were for the champions tour event <laughs> that's the and effect none of this seems to matter at all yeah which is i'm sure that'll just go on for all of history and there will never be a reckoning <laughs> with that interesting question we got from uh w Purbaugh. he said uh with how much money that has been added to the tour in the last couple of years when does the cat get passed for career earnings on course and who does it mm. that's a really good question uh dj has a shot i think if the money gets really absurd um rory is younger and could potentially uh morikawa makes a lot of sense i think that would Mark, be that would be my my long you know my long horse tigers at 120 and dj's at 72.6 so he needs another what 40 is that 48 million dollars to pass the cat of cat never earns another dollar right um cherry won the fedex which was an, what, another 15 48 is basically jordan speed's career to date yeah which dj could easily have especially if the money's going up the yeah. way that it is that does not include FedEx Cup bonuses or anything like no, that. No, right. But so that's what I was going to say is like, I mean, of course the cat is, he's never going to catch what the cat made off the course, but uh, DJ's like total compensation is already obviously well, 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 well beyond that 120. Yeah. Right. And so it's, a, it, what I'm saying is like all, even if he doesn't pass him in on course earnings, yeah. like his, his off course is just about to like, hit the hockey stick growth here with yeah. all these bonuses and yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, um, and it's not accounting for inflation, all that stuff, and blah, blah, blah. But that's about it. We have for uh, golf-related stuff, a little bit shorter show this week. We do have episode seven coming up of Taurus Sauce this yeah. Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. You, what do you want to tell us about that? Going to uh, Boyne Highlands uh, up near Petoskey, Michigan. It's a... Uh, a very special place to Big Randy. It's a heavily Randy-focused episode, and yeah, hopefully people enjoy it. The No Lang Up Pro Shop is humming. That's at store.nolangup.com. The holiday promo is continuing through this Tuesday, uh, the, the 30th at midnight. There's 15% off all orders over $150 with the code BFCM150. Of Black course, Friday, Cyber, Cyber Monday. There you go. Black Friday, Cyber Monday, 150 and, of course, Nest members get 20% off of all orders. Uh, we recommend getting in there as soon as possible. Inventory is getting a little scarce. We're excited about the new strap collection, the Holderness and Born Fall collection, new sticker sheets, and much more. Again, store.nolangup.com. Holiday promo ends Tuesday the 30th at midnight. Um, and also on the podcast front, the, the Tuesday before Thanksgiving episode is traditionally one of our most under-listened to episodes. So I will, I will give a little shout-out to the Tony Jacklin episode. I cannot imagine that you would not enjoy listening to that on a, on a lengthy drive that you may have. He was a total menace. That was a, a joy to spend the day with him. Airs people out. It's great. He does. He just yeah. goes name by name and just starts calling people out. So one end this on this last question from Ed Mac 2020. More majors, Brooks or Morikawa? Man, I'll, God, that's really hard. For fun, I'll say Morikawa because that's what I would be rooting for. I'm going to say Brooks. I'm gonna say he's got the he's got the land he's got the land grab and yes, he might not totally. be done winning him. It's a, it's a literal two in the hand yeah. with one of the bush <laughs> situation. All right, Pie Man, thank you very much for joining today, and we will see you guys again here shortly. Cheers. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah.
Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect 